this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. May the Force be with you always. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? Welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and we are recording this episode on Monday, April 27th, 2020. Now, before we start the show, I do want to welcome our new sponsor, Audible. Uh, Audible is a product that I am happy to endorse. I use it a ton. I always talk about the fact that there is a ton of Star Wars content out there, and it is really hard to keep up with all of the books, the comics, etc. cetera. Uh, Audible is an excellent way to do that and, and my preferred way to do so. Certainly, not only are they a leader in audiobooks, but they also have all other kinds of spoken word entertainment uh, podcasts. They have comedy. They have uh, self self-help stuff. So whether you're into listening to it for science fiction, as I am, or if you want to indulge in any of those other passions, uh, they certainly will fit the bill for you. One of the great things about this is that all you have to do is visit audibletrial.com forward slash JTA podcast, and you will get a one month free trial, which is going to get you one credit where you can pick any title plus access to two audible originals from that monthly selection. Uh, You also get access to to the Daily News Digest like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or Washington Post. So there's a lot out there for you. If you cancel within the first month, there is no charge to you. We do have an agreement with them where we will get a commission, and that's a great way for you to support our podcast while also getting something for yourself. So I would highly recommend Audible. Uh, Again, they've got thousands of titles. Pretty much anything you want to listen to, you can find out there. And the great thing about the Star Wars titles is that there are many of them, especially the new ones, Narrated by Mark Thompson, who does a wonderful job of bringing the characters to life through the various voices that he uses. So I personally recommend it. So again, visit audibletrial.com forward slash JTA podcast, and you will both be supporting the podcast as well as hooking yourself up with uh, a great audiobook. So cannot recommend them highly enough. And again, thank you to Audible for partnering with us to help support the podcast. All right, for this week's podcast, we're going to take a dive into the backstory kind of behind Order 66 and a little bit of how that plays into the fall of the Jedi Order, given that we're going to be seeing that in the upcoming episodes of Season 7 for the Clone Wars. And to help me out with this discussion, I have my trusty co-pilot and co-host Tom joining me from sunny San Diego, apparently too sunny. Very sunny recently. <laughs> and I've also got the gentleman from the Scarif podcast, or at least two-thirds of them. I've got uh, Ro and Brad from Scarif podcast. Guys, thank you, and welcome to the show. Our hey, pleasure. Was, uh, good to be here. 
We've, on camera. Yeah, we've even got Brad on camera, which is uh, a never before seen magical event. So um, well, it's, it's funny. Uh, this is a, a confession. This is the first time I'm actually seeing Brad's profile. So hmm. shall I uh, turn the cam off now? So. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, Rob, I told you he existed. He's all CGI. That's right. Apparently, this is what you've got Yoshi Vu looped in for. So <laughs> his talents CGI are, ever. are prodigious. Awesome. So, yeah, when I uh, when I threw this topic out there, uh, I was told that Brad was a little bit excited about this. Uh, we're going to be talking about one of the Clone Wars season six arcs where uh, essentially the storyline is that one of the clone cadets uh, has a chip malfunction for his inhibitor chip, uh, which is the chip that all the, the clone troopers had implanted and which was what held order 66 and and the ability to trigger order 66 and he ended up killing a jedi master and throughout this four episode arc uh it kind of plays through a storyline where the jedi come very close to uncovering the secret behind order 66 and some of their attachments to the galactic republic uh certainly play into to them missing out on this opportunity to uh, very late in the game, save the Jedi order from being wiped out by Darth Sidious. So uh, certainly a, a really cool arc within the clone wars and one that I think a lot of people downplayed, but uh, given that we're going to see in these next two episodes of clone Wars season seven order 66 play out from a different perspective than we've seen before in the films, I think it's going to be very important to understand this backstory and just how close the Jedi came to stopping this before it even, uh, before it even happened. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, it, it. It was an interesting arc and it was kind of in the, that lost missions season where they kind of had to scramble to put some things together. Yeah. This is one of the most impactful arcs, I think without throughout the clone wars in a, in a series that had, many, many important arcs that uh, provide so much more depth, especially for the prequels, but for the uh, the entire uh, Star Wars universe. Uh, just a really, really fascinating look in how close it came to uncovering the plot of Order 66. Season six, uh, I think, you know, some people might not realize that might be the most important season. Uh, you, you know, you can make an argument. It's the most important season of Clone Wars. Not only did it, it started off with this arc, which extremely powerful arc and then it had uh you know more on master sifo-deus later in in the season and then you had uh yoda going to uh, moraban which is the new way of saying coraban i mean <laughs> it's such a powerful season at least they finally did admit that moraban does equal coraban so right uh, that's that's where he went and uh, he actually got to talk to darth bane there so you know you can definitely make the argument that's one of the most important seasons of clone wars you know it's funny when i first watched that um there were some folks that I uh, remember talking to just about kind of, uh, you know, how the Clone Wars has been accepted pretty much universally. But there are some people that uh, have not really dove into the Clone Wars as a series because they realized, you know, there's no suspense there. You know what's going to happen. You know what ends up, how it ends up. But, uh, you know, the, the I, I guess, you know, Star Wars is all about the journey and not necessarily the uh, the, you know, where you end up. It's uh, it's still suspenseful, uh, even though we know that, you know, there's no way I guess, you know, there's no way that the clones would have been able to kind of uh, go all the way through and find out and stop. Palpatine from from executing Order 66, the excitement it was still there. And Brad, you're right; it's probably one of the more important story arcs that uh, in in modern Star Wars uh, as we have it. Very exciting. 
Yeah, I've always basically explained to people that the key with the Clone Wars is, yeah, it's it's exactly as you said. You may understand what the destination is, where they're going to arrive at, despite all these episodes, but those episodes give you context. Tom and I have talked ad nauseum in past episodes of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast that they uh, they really kind of help you form your connection. You get a greater sense of the depth of the tragedy of Anakin's fall. You know, they tell you in the films what a hero he was and and what a force for the light side he was. Uh, but you never really see a lot of that in the films. He just kind of comes off as a whiny kid. Uh, When you see him in the Clone Wars, you get a lot more of that. And, you know, to the point that Brad was making in season six, we also kind of get some of that backstory for how Yoda initially made contact with Qui-Gon and that whole uh, communication through the netherworld of the Force, which then plays into what we see, uh, you know, at the end of, of episode three. So it provides the context so that when you go back and watch those films that you thought you knew forward and backward, you all of a sudden get a a different depth to everything that you're seeing. And you can read a lot more into it uh, because you know, that backstory. I think that's the biggest part of the the clone wars. I mean, one is just, it's, it's just entertaining for a star Wars fan to to go through and watch these. And, you know, some people didn't pick up on them for whatever reason, you know, it was off on cartoon network and then it's lost on Netflix. And now it finally made it to Disney plus or whatever the case may be. Maybe you're just not into animation or you were, you were saying like, I'm, I'm not going to watch this kind of stuff or you were kind of, you know, maybe the animation styling wasn't yours, but the, the actual storytelling within it is so well done and provides as you're talking about rob so much more depth for what happens in the prequels where you know where a lot of people uh have some issues with the prequels themselves maybe where they are a little thin in areas uh this really fulfills a a lot of that what the prequels may have needed to complete the story arc and if nothing else i mean you really first and last battle of the clone wars in the films uh this fills a lot of that in of what went on and how how widespread this this uh this war was uh, throughout the star wars universe it was a busy three years <laughs> all, <laughs> all that all that took place in three years so they, they were busy every day that's for sure yeah well, and I mean, again, it goes to show you the connection that the Jedi form with their clone troopers, uh, which plays hugely into this uh, episode, the four episode arc within season six. So uh, really, it starts out, you've got Anakin and a group of his clone troopers that are making an attack on a separatist force led by uh, Admiral it's Trench. Yep. Oh, yep. Uh, Trench. Yep. So uh, they're basically uh, working toward his headquarters. And during that period, one of the clone cadets uh, named Tup ends up having kind of some some mental issues you see him shaking his head uh next thing you know he's talking about the you know the damn jedi and uh it 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 culminates in him killing one of two jedi sisters that are a part of anakin's attack force kind of fizzles out the attack don't get too comfortable this battle hasn't been won yet master skywalker we must get to the command post admiral trench is sent for reinforcements we must take this post before they arrive it's time for phase two. We're at this position. Tip Lar, you'll take your men down this passageway. Tip Lee, you'll move along here. They'll have to divide their forces to counter us, and when they do, Rex and I will press through the middle. If we time it right, we'll all converge on this spot at the same time, and the droids won't know what hit them. If we're making a run, we'll need backup. My men are severely depleted. Fives, you and Tup take ten of your best men and support Master Tip Lar. We're on it, sir. Hey, you all right? Yeah. 
I... I just... Come on, this is a textbook battle. We've run through this a million times before in training. Yeah, I, I know. I, I just... I, I don't feel like myself. What do you mean? Follow me. Jedi. Tuck, what's the matter with you? Uh, uh no, nothing. I, I'm fine. Come on, brother. Don't want to be left behind. Brad, why don't you talk to me a little bit about what appealed so much to you uh, for this particular four-episode arc and, and what drew you in in this first episode? Yeah, uh, so first, there, there are so many, you know, I, I talk on uh, the Scare of Scuttlebutt all the time about, uh, you know, parallels to, to, to real-life events. Um, so that's one of them, and I'll put that into context. But, uh, you know, if you've ever seen The Manchurian Candidate, either the a uh, crappy one with uh, Denzel, uh, probably ten years ago now. No more than that. Anyway, yeah. uh, that one or the uh, the good one from uh, you know, in late 1950s. You don't need to watch those movies actually because this uh, it's basically a reenactment of the Manchurian Candidate and uh, how uh, somebody can be brainwashed into taking an action that is uh, against their uh, normal nature, mm -hmm. uh, against their normal thought processes. Uh, and, and it really does. I mean, if you if you read the Manchurian Candidate, that's what happened here. And then it, it shows how somebody who's trying to do good, in this case, uh, fives after the fact, he's trying to do good. He's trying to get to the bottom of it. And uh, he's trying to you know tell the Jedi, hey, something's up. Something big is happening. And they spin it. So he becomes the, the villain. Um, and uh, you you saw. You know, you could see that and it's happened throughout history. And I said, you know, parallels to um, to real life, uh, you know, our universe history. Uh, Ro and I, you know, we, we've talked about my uh, interest in uh, and research into JFK. Mm -hmm. uh, what really hit me about this one is how close it followed the events that happened after JFK was assassinated and trying to get custody of the body. Yeah. Uh, so in, in Dallas, you had the, uh, you know, the coroner's office there. They're like, hey, we need to do the autopsy here. And then you had the federal government, uh, FBI, Secret Service, all of them coming and say, no, we're going to take this body. We're going to fly it to D.C., to Bethesda. We're going to do the autopsy there. And they got into it and there were they were guns were literally drawn uh, at the hospital in Dallas when the federal government said, no, we are taking this body. Mm -hmm. And that's when he was flown out to DC. And that is like when they were fighting over, uh, you know, Tup 
and what to do with them on Camino, that's what really resonated with me. Uh, the parallels there with real life. Yeah. And it's just a powerful, impactful story. Yeah. And even with the separatists, I mean, that's kind of one of the parts of that first episode uh, storyline is that when they do decide that they're going to take Tup and they, they need to fly him off to Camino uh, to have him looked into in, in more depth there. And by this point in time, uh, it's been alerted. Uh, Dooku has been alerted as Lord Tyrannus, and he has kind of run it up the chain to Sidious that, hey, we've had a malfunction on one of these chips. We're at risk of having this entire scheme for Order 66 exposed to the Jedi Order. And so the Separatists make a move to uh, basically ambush the shuttle that's taken him to Camino and take his body. Uh, so it was uh, multiple points in time, uh, kind of Sidious and his agents trying to interrupt a true research into what the what the underlying scenario was that had caused him to kind of go haywire. And those were some serious scenes you had. I mean, there was, they, they didn't hold any punches on this one. You had no. dead bodies floating in mm -hmm. space, eyes wide open after being shot like this. This is not a kid's cartoon. This is, <laughs> that, that, that is an adult storyline and an adult plot and everything. Absolutely. Ro, you look like you're about to say something. Yeah. You know, uh, the guys over at rebel force radio just posted, Something regarding uh, a comment that uh, one of the reviewers uh, claimed they said something about dumbing down um, the story for kids. And Brad, you're right. I mean, a lot of the story arcs in the Clone Wars are definitely, uh, you know, not dumbed down. You got the conscientious objector uh, story, um, uh, 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 the, you know, the seriousness of, of the impact of what Order 66 you know, did to the clones and the brotherhood, et cetera, et cetera. You know, these are stories that are definitely not dumbed down, you know, it, uh, albeit uh, uh, a kid's cartoon. You know, these these uh, story arcs are, are fantastic for obviously Star Wars fans of, of our age. But uh, I appreciate the fact that, you know, the creators and the writers, they're not really dumbing it down. They really are just telling it the way they see it. And uh, war is hell. And obviously there are story arcs for, you know, the younger audience, but I just love the way that they tell these stories because it's, it's very rewarding. And like I said, it's, it's not about, you know, we know what happens at the end of the day, but it's that journey. And it's an exciting thing to, to watch it unfold, especially now that the animation is top notch. It's better than it ever has before. And it's just a, an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan, especially with this uh, final uh, season of, of Clone Wars. Yeah. Tom, any thoughts on that? No, I, I completely agree with Rowan. The fact that, you know, when you look at the Clone Wars and you if when it first approached, you know, you're like, oh, look, it's a cartoon Star Wars series. It must be made for kids or whatever. And yes, there were definitely those story arcs in there. But if nothing else, it helped expand the universe of fandom to me out there, the fact that you could have kids that be lured in by uh, certain arcs of these episodes, and then it could suddenly switch from something that was really kind of childish and more involved around the younger viewers or whatever the case may be into something as deep as some of these episodes we're discussing here on the show and really get into adult storylines and uh, the kids could follow through with it as well and and grow their fandom and adults could sit there right where with them and enjoy the whole thing as well um it, it really 
in the I've seen Star Wars, especially now that Disney kind of owns them. You, you see them trying to attract more younger viewers, and, and you know, the Star Wars fandom, as we are attest to here, has aged up a lot <laughs> over the years. You know, uh, so it's nice to see them now bringing it back down to uh, bring in more kids involved. And there's there are storylines within the comics, within the books, within the animated series, and now you know, and obviously the films as well uh, that can lure or, or bring in fans of all different ages. Yeah, and it's interesting too because one of the things that I thought they were going to dive into a little bit more in Season 7 was individualizing the clones. Not that they haven't done that in all the previous seasons, but I, I really thought that they were hinting that that first arc with the Bad Batch was really going to be helping people connect with the clones. But I think they did that far better in this arc in season six, where you do get to see that, you know, they're very uh, adamant about their individuality. They, you know, Fives, for instance, does not like when, uh, you know, the medical staff there on Camino are referring to them by their Operating numbers. Hello. What's going on? CT5385's condition seems to be deteriorating. Tup. His name is Tup. Tup? What is a Tup? Tup is my friend. He's not a number. Yes, he is. We all have numbers. My number is AZ3452118962464987213347. His number is CT5385. Wrong. He has a name. No clone uses a number. Not anymore. But you are a number. CT5555. No, I am Fives. Call me Fives. But five is a number. No, not five. Fives. Oh. The difference is minimal. Not to me. And not to any clone. Uh, and he's talking about, you know, that's top and I'm fives. And so uh, AZI-3, the droid that kind of helps fives in that in that second and third episode um, uncover what's going on with the with the inhibitor chips, has a hard time kind of understanding from a machine standpoint that they're individual. He thinks of them just as hardware for the Republican. There's, there's an argument to be made that even the Jedi kind of looked at the clones, uh, certain Jedi at least. Anakin was far more personal with, with the clones under his command. Uh, but there were certainly Jedi that could have been accused of, of looking at them as just kind of expendable assets. Um, and that is not what they are at all. And, and it just makes the whole arc with the clones ultimately being the demise of the Jedi even that much more personal because of these bonds that have been forged through three plus years of, of intergalactic warfare. Uh, you know, for instance, the uh, the first episode of Siege of Mandalore, you see uh, Obi-Wan swoop in and, and save clone uh, Commander Cody from the missile, knowing that within just a, a short period of time, Cody's going to be trying to blow Obi-Wan, you know, off that ledge uh, with the Varactyl that he's riding on. Um, so, you know, they, they do a great job of, of making the clones individuals. And certainly this storyline, when we really get into it and in, in the investigation that goes on in Camino, uh, where Fives, you know, takes an extreme action of, of actually removing the inhibitor chip from Tup's head uh, in an attempt to kind of show what the underlying cause of this is, he actually causes the death of, of someone he considers a friend and that was an incredibly powerful portion of that second episode of this arc good work AZ you better get started before they figure out it's a false alarm right away you might want to turn away for this part 
I want a report. It appears to be a false alarm, triggered from the medical bay. Medical bay? It's fives. Come on! Is it done? It is now. What have you done? We've saved my friend's life. This tumor is the cause of his illness. Give me that! You can't be trusted. Stand down, trooper. General, I have evidence. It's right here. What is he saying? Brother, what mission? You... You know the one. The, the mission. The one in our dreams. That never ends. The one in our dreams. Oh, brother. This is the end. Forget the mission. The nightmare. I'm free. No. No. I thought I saved him. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, excites me, and I think it's one of the things that is causing everybody to lose their proverbial fecal matter. <laughs> we want to keep it uh, family friendly here. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're getting close. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk on the internet as far as, uh, does anybody, everybody think that we're going to get to actually see another, um, aspect, another, you know, in my world, another camera angle yeah. of, of, uh, order 66. I, I think, uh, it would definitely be a missed opportunity if we don't, I think we're going to, we're definitely going to see it. So it's, it's that, you know, emotional involvement with these characters that, you know, everybody is just like on pins and needles mm -hmm. and like, you're right, you're right, Rob, you, we see, you know, the uh, clones working together with, uh, with their Jedi counterparts. And we know that coming real soon, the, the tables are going to turn and that's going to be, a, that's going to be uh, awful, awfully emotional. You see the difference uh, if you have uh, commanders like Obi-Wan or Anakin and the connection that they have with their troopers and uh, well, and Ahsoka as well, uh, compared to we talked on our last episode of the Scarif about uh, uh, Jedi Master Krell, I yeah. think his name was, the one that uh, you know was saw all the troops as – he saw them as no more than droids, really. They were mm -hmm. droids with flesh, and that was about it. And he was willing to sacrifice his entire brigade if he had to. But then you have the connection of – you know, I, I got goosebumps when I saw those guys with their when they had their um, helmets painted with yeah. uh, for Ahsoka. And I'm like, that that is some loyalty right there. So, Rob, you're right on. Like, it, it makes Order 66 that much more painful that, you know, they can be triggered, not not triggered like we use these days, but <laughs> right. literally triggered to turn on their, uh, you know, Jedi commanders and assass assassinate them like that. Yeah, I thought your parallel to Manchurian Candidate was excellent. I mean, that that is just it. It's totally going, not just, you know, making you do something that you might not otherwise have done, but to do something that is completely contrary to who you are as a person. And, and that is terrifying, I think, for a lot of people. Um, and it's, you know, one of the great tragedies of what's going on. But 
you know, not to completely derail the conversation, but part of this com- part of this episode, I also wanted to get into a little bit about what led to the the fall of the Jedi Order, kind of the twilight of the Jedi, and uh, you know. I know that it's been brought up on a couple other occasions, a couple of live streams we've done with uh, with Scarif for sure. But this whole idea of the Jedi forbidding attachment, and yet they, as an order, they have this enormous attachment to the Republic that really was the blinders over their eyes, and it plays into this arc uh, in terms of the the trust that they put in Palpatine to uh, help them uncover what went on with these chips, Uh, but it also really blinded them. uh, Obi-Wan made the comment, which I was a little bit surprised about uh, when Ahsoka first met up with he and Anakin, that uh, they had uncovered the fact that this whole war was being orchestrated by this Sith Lord and he was playing both sides, uh, which I'd never seen in the movies that they made that, you know, made that connection prior to Order 66 being triggered. Uh, But they clearly had an idea that this whole thing was being orchestrated by some hidden power. And the fact that none of them could even consider that it was Palpatine uh, just showed the blinders that they had on and the, the blind trust that they had formed in the Republic. Yeah, the, the crowd of the dark side had fallen, right? And really, it really covered their eyes in many regards. They were, and, you know, it's funny you go back to that, this last uh, episode of the Clone Wars, you know, the, the hypocrisy, Maul brought it up, the hypocrisy that was going on within the Jedi. I mean, you know, Maul, for whatever you want to call him, he, he, does he speak with a forked tongue at times? Of course, but a lot of times he is telling the honest truth, especially knowing that he's been cast off from everything. He's just trying to make his way in the world and get back what he wants. Um, but, you know, he could see within Ahsoka, look, I, I know that you understand some of this. We have both have felt our sides have done us wrong. That's why, you know, obviously he wants it for his own good to take over the galaxy, whatever the case may be, to bring her back in. But he could tell, uh, Ahsoka could tell uh, what they believed in as the Jedi Order, as what they should be, was not what's happening out there. And and they were very much blindsided in many ways by all of this. But I also found fascinating uh, in that last episode the fact that Obi-Wan, you know, I already knew that, you know, he kind of was like, okay, the when, when he was talking to Anakin about following the Chancellor, or um, that, okay, the Council is telling you to do this, not me. But he was also saying, look, the Council is often it has been known yeah. to be wrong. Yeah. So he obviously, he clearly felt like this is not the way to go. Ahsoka, I need you to talk to Anakin if you get the chance. So yeah. uh, very clearly, some eyes are, even though they're, they're very shrouded by the dark side, there were some eyes that were somewhat open. They just couldn't find that right place to point to get to, you know, the end, the end game. Right. And, and Ro likes when I talk about hubris and uh, especially yeah. when I put it in context of uh, The Last Jedi, but you know, that... <laughs> I mean, if I only like five minutes of The Last Jedi, which may be the case, it is that that scene with with Luke and with Rey where he's talking about the pride of the Jedi Mm -hmm. and the downfall of the Jedi. Look, the the Clone Wars started by uh, Tyrannus or Dooku telling Obi-Wan the the complete truth. Yeah. uh, That city is is in charge. And it ends, Fives lays lays it all out again for uh, Rex and for Anakin, tells him everything. Um, you know, he screams, uh, no, you, you know, no, you to, uh, to, uh, Palpatine right. as Palpatine was torturing him. Yeah. Uh, he tells them everything, but, uh, of course, Anakin can't believe it because that's his mentor, right. uh, has been his mentor for years. So, you know, there, there's a whole lot of those, these pride aspects 
that they were. So, yeah, you say the dark side is clouding everything, and it's true. And, of course, they make mention of that. But I, I don't know how you know closely you want to equate pride with the dark side. It was, I think, even more than the, maybe the dark side was a cop-out for them in, 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 the sort of, in some strange way because it was more their pride than anything else. They, were, they had been on top of their game for a millennia mm-hmm. at that point. Because yep. uh, that was when uh, Darth Bane uh, started the rule of two was a thousand years before. So they had been on, you know, they were the, the only show in town for a thousand years. So, you know, yeah, the dark, he, Palpatine obviously used the dark side to cloud everything, cloud the vision, but it may have been their pride just as much as the dark side that was clouding their, their judgment. You look like you want to say something, Rome. No, I'm I right. total agree with uh, Brad. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, George Lucas was very much uh, in tune with these uh, old historic uh, stories that we grew up, uh, whether through folklore or religion, basic uh, anthropology and, and study of that. So it's it's really interesting when uh, people start to draw these parallels between religion and Star Wars and how uh, George had borrowed from interfaith uh, disciplines to instill, uh, especially with the rollout of the story. So it's it's just, you know, and I think that that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons that I feel that Star Wars has, you know, remained uh, relevant. You know, we're all talking about Star Wars, you know, decades later and still kind of picking it apart. I think, um, you know, somebody had also mentioned that when Star Wars kind of strays away from that formula, it starts to get a little wishy-washy and, and uh, unclear. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the Clone Wars is definitely, you know, I think they, they're definitely following that formula, and it's it's a great story. Yeah, I actually, the, the point that kind of jumped into my head as you guys were talking about the Jedi and their hubris and, and their blindness to what was going on around them is they talk about uh, in Revenge of the Sith the fact that, you know, their ability to use the Force has been diminished, and as Brad said, they've been relying on the force to tell them everything about the world around them for ages. And all of a sudden this gets taken away from them and they haven't developed the ability to read situations without having that input. Uh, so they were at a huge disadvantage in terms of being able to pick up on some of the nonverbals and some of the other cues that were going on around them to kind of piece it together the way, you know, a modern detective might, uh, you know, they're, they're just, they're expecting this information to be fed to them through the force and, and all of a sudden they've lost that. So I think that plays into it as well. Um, but kind of getting back to the Clone Wars storyline. So we've got, uh, you know, we've got top, uh, we've got five, five, who removes this implant from his head. Uh, Tup actually dies, which of course is is very difficult for Fives to deal with. Um, and Fives needs something to compare that, that uh, chip that was removed, that uh, implant, against. And he ends up having the medical droid remove his own chip. Hold still. This will not hurt a bit. <sighs> you do know what you're doing, right? Why, yes. I have been programmed to perform over 100... All right, all right. Let's do this. You will only be unconscious for a few minutes. There's no sign of them, General. They must have escaped by now. Escape was never their intention. They're investigating, searching. Their appearance in the genetics labs proves this. 
But what are they searching for? Ah. Well, was it? Was it there? Yes. Identical in structure. However, it appears that the one I found in your friend had malfunctioned, while yours is perfectly intact. Are you sure his breakdown was isolated? There is no way of knowing that. And now that we have removed your chip, we do not know what will happen to you. So, then, I could snap too? Possibly. But when we removed the chip from top, he... I am afraid you may die as well. I need to know if more clones than just Top and I have these. And when we were implanted with them. My analysis suggests implantation took place at the earliest stage of development. Most likely when you and Tup were only embryos. Then we have to start there. Uh, so this is the first time we end up with a clone, like a healthy clone that's actually removed this inhibitor chip. And we know this plays into some of the downstream story that we're likely to see in these upcoming episodes. Um, because with Rebels, uh, and I won't go too, too deep into it just because there are likely people out there that haven't seen Star Wars Rebels. And certainly we could go on a, on a bender about why that might be useful. Uh, but, you know, the, there is the possibility that these clones could have these chips removed and uh, they would not be forced to turn on their Jedi uh, generals or commanders. And so, uh, you know, fives is really the first example of that we see within the Clone Wars. Yeah, I think there's 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 that key and there's a there's another key. Uh, I think it may have been in the second or third episode uh, where uh, Lama Su talks about how the Jedi have had a strange impact mm -hmm. on on their clones and they've kind of made the clones sway from their programming that they had uh, on Kamino just by their personalities. Um, so that's why, you know, Rex, you know, is going to be the number one candidate for that to happen yeah. um, because of him working with uh, Obi-Wan and with Anakin. If anybody's going to have their personality altered, uh, it, it's going to be Rex. Yeah. So uh, I think that definitely plays into it and that'll play into what we see here on the last couple episodes. Yeah. Especially working with Anakin and Ahsoka who, as we have known through uh, many seasons and uh, story arcs within the Clone Wars itself, they have not been afraid to uh, kind of go against uh, the desires of the Order to, you know, break the rules here and there, as you may be. And uh, so, you know, Rex has definitely developed a mind of his own to do his own thing here and there when he needs to. He is obviously still a great soldier, is still going to follow along, you know, follow the rule of his commander, but he's not afraid to do his own thing when he feels it's right. Just to, And that goes back to the beginning of this season of the Clone Wars, knowing that he felt that Echo was out there somewhere and, you know, helping to go hunt him down. I think that that, I know a lot of people have said the first few episodes of this year were meh, and compared to what we were getting into now, of course, definitely. But I do think that, that some of these early story arcs are were leading to something, or at least trying to show something as we lead to the impactful last four episodes of this season of The Clone Wars. Yeah, even the story arc after the uh, Bad Batch, I mean, the sisters, I think uh, those stories had a lot to teach Ahsoka about how regular people view the Jedi. And there's certainly some life lessons there that uh, they were able to kind of uh, demonstrate to uh, to Ahsoka, something that, you know, maybe she's been thinking about for a while, but something definitely that, uh, you know, she got firsthand knowledge as far as uh, the people's perception of the Jedi. 
I found it really interesting in the first episode of the Siege of Mandalore. And again, we're a little bit off track, but she made a very important statement when she was talking to Obi-Wan and Anakin, and she was talking about how the common people view the Jedi. And then she referred to the Jedi Order as us, which was an interesting indicator of where her head was at, kind of uh, to the effect of, you know, had the Jedi survived, would she have gone back to the Jedi Order? Because she was clearly still identifying with them. But with regard to the, the arc that we're talking about in season six, one of the things that I, and when I watched it, rewatched it last night, it had been a while since I'd seen it. And what jumped out at me was Lama Sue and, and the, the, the cloners on Camino when they were talking to Tyrannus and when they were talking to Sidious, uh, they were not addressing them as Darth. In the case of Palpatine, they were talking to him as Emperor Palpatine. Uh, and so they were apparently just kind of, clueless about this whole Sith impact on this. They were told that this was uh, an inhibitor chip that was being put in place to stop renegade Jedi. So it wasn't like they were uh, willingly siding with uh, with uh, evil or with the Sith. They thought that they were doing something in service of the Republic that was going to assist if any Jedi kind of went rogue. Uh, and, and so that was kind of interesting. I, I had always in the past assumed that they were on board with Sidious to some degree with his plan. And, and really they were being deceived just as much as everyone else. Did you believe that? Uh, Cause uh, I, I agree with you about the names because even, yeah. um, even Django calls him Lord Tyrannus right. uh, in episode two, doesn't call him Darth, but uh, I took Lama Sue. I did not take her at face value mm. uh, when she was talking about the chips. <clears throat> I thought she was lying there. I, to me, I thought she knew full well, what the chips were for. I don't know how you would get that by the designers and the, um, the ones that are doing the conditioning. Right. Uh, so you think she, you think she was actually telling the truth there that they thought they were in her chips. I can totally see it both ways. I know that, uh, in, you know, in today's society, we're supposed to disagree and not talk to each other anymore. Um, but, uh, I'm going to block you on Twitter and we're going to do all that. But, uh, you know, I, I could, I could be sold on it either way. I, I do see from, from your point of view, how it would be really difficult, um, to sit there and say, how are you, how are you going to trigger order 66 and the clones and make sure that they get just the rogue Jedi? There was, how, how do you know what protocol? Cause they, at that point they were calling it protocol 66. Right. I think the Camino ones had to have known what protocol 66 was. Sure. And, uh, they were very anxious to, uh, to squash this whole thing. They, they knew, uh, what was on the line. They probably knew their lives were on the line. Uh, if this thing went sour. So I, I'm, I tend to believe they, to some extent, knew what was knew what was up. I, I think that's probably why it caught me by surprise when I rewatched it last night, and why it jumped out at me is is strange because I think in the past my brain was just on that on that path anyway that they were on board with the fact that ultimately the Jedi were were going to be wiped out. They knew what that order was or protocol, as as you were pointing out. Um, so that's why it was a little bit uh, dissonant and, and registered with me. I think in the rewatch, but. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, if any of that gets addressed. I, I don't know that they're going to have time in these last two episodes, but um, I totally agree with what Ro was saying earlier. To and I liked his analogy of you know seeing things from a different camera angle. Uh, even in the previews that we've had of this season, there was a shot of like Mace Windu saying, uh, "I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi," which is something that we see in the films themselves, uh, and they had recreated it for the for the animated series. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of where that overlap occurs 
years. Uh, they've made mention of it now a number of times of, you know, Anakin has been sent to do this or I'm being sent to to go to Utapau uh, in the case of Obi-Wan. So you get a feeling where they're at in the timeline. Uh, but, you know, again, every time I'm watching this, I'm flashing back to season six in this arc and how close the Jedi came to uncovering what was going on behind the scenes. And again, like I said, it goes back to their trust in Palpatine. Uh, talk about being blind. I mean, how many times did Master Yoda sit across from, from Palpatine in his office and completely unable to sense that this was the Sith Lord that they knew was out there but but just couldn't see? That's why. Uh, that's one of the reasons I love Palpatine's character. I love uh, the Emperor. Uh, you know, we we've said it again countless times on the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast regarding, you know, he's Palpatine's in it for the long run. He's plays the long game, and he's meticulous. He's conniving. He's direct, and he's a uh, he's like Bobby Fischer, man. He's playing those chess pieces like nobody's business. I think uh, that makes him uh, just a great character. Off a tangent real fast, yeah. what was, is there an explanation in canon or in universe what order one through 65 were? <laughs> is there anything like, not, nothing really? Yeah. Rob, Robot Chicken has it. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know if Robot Chicken's canon. But like why, why order 66? Does that, anybody, right. does that have a significance? I'm just guessing, and this is just completely, just randomly, maybe it's, trying to refer to like 666 or something that's, along yeah, those lines you know yeah i think it was the wiping the number of the beast yeah, it right. was it was yeah. actually todd hoffman from uh, wstr galactic public access he said uh 66 77 80 83 were his favorite numbers so uh it all makes sense now he's the one that put the idea in their head to use 66 <laughs> there you go right on so uh, when we get to uh, the, the fourth episode of this arc, so ultimately Fives uh, gets a hold of both his chip, uh, inhibitor chip, as well as the one from Top, and he ends up finally convincing uh, Master Shakti, who is uh, one of the other Togruta Jedi Masters, same race as Ahsoka, um, and, and who is tied uh, quite a bit to both the clones, and then later on she's been mentioned in regards to uh, guarding Palpatine, um, when he was captured or kidnapped by uh, by Grievous within the season seven arc, but uh, within season six, uh, Fives finally makes an impassioned plea to uh, Shakti to please let him plead his case for what's going on with these chips to Emperor Palpatine, and he gets taken back to Coruscant uh, and actually gets his audience with Palpatine, who manages to kind of clear the room so he can talk to him one on one. Master General. The Chancellor is waiting inside. Now you drug me. See? There, there, soldier. Don't strain. Sir. Guards, let him down, please. Now, Trooper, what brings you before me? The chips, Chancellor. Chips. These were removed from both clone troopers. Clone Trooper 5s claims they are the cause of the problem. Those are inhibitor chips, which are placed in clones to make them less aggressive and more compliant to orders. I tried to explain to this clone that they are placed in them for his own good, but he removed his chip nonetheless. Our own good? This thing they put in us, 
malfunctioned in clone trooper tub. I removed his and analyzed it. There were signs of rapid decay. And we're positive this has nothing to do with the virus? No. We still do not know for sure what caused Trooper Tup to kill. We only know that his chip failed, and now this clone has removed his own chip, which makes him a risk to himself and others. I'm not at risk. Sir, they're covering something up. I know it. If it's not them, then it's a Separatist plot. They used this chip against us to make us more violent than less. That's why Tup killed General Tipler. A separatist plot from before the war even started? That seems unlikely, don't you agree, Master Shakti? It does, Chancellor. It seems very unlikely. It is absolutely impossible. What we have here is a single malfunction to one clone's inhibitor chip caused by a virus, separatist plot or not. Perhaps it would be best if Clone Trooper Fives and I discussed this without your presence. Chancellor, I must object. Please, Master Jedi. Trust me. I will not be alone. I have my security here. I want this soldier to feel he is having a fair say in this matter. Trust you will keep these safe. Of course, Chancellor. And this is what folds into that storyline that Brad was talking about earlier. Uh, the the sense that really uh, truth is is a lot about who's telling the story. Um, and in this case, Palpatine made it look like Fives had had made an attack on him and and put Fives in a position where he kind of had to run for his life. Um, Again, it's just an, another example of, and you see Shakti, uh, who is present for this whole thing. She just, you know, swallows the whole thing hook, line, and sinker, never thinks to question Palpatine, uh, and, and the suspicion falls on five. So um, that kind of leads into the, into the final act of this episode. Yeah, I, I love the, you were mentioning uh, uh, Shakti, uh, and I don't know if anybody caught it. Uh, I about laughed my ass off when they mentioned Shock T because if you remember uh, episode three, there is about five different deleted scenes where Shock T died uh, yeah. at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, but they deleted every single one of them. Yep. So I think that's why they said, hey, uh, Shock T is supposed to be uh, guarding the uh, Chancellor, but no one's heard from her. Right. And I think that was a little nod to the five deleted scenes where she got killed in various ways by Grievous and others. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, the chancellor spins it perfectly where he said, Oh, 
you know, we had these inhibitor chips to make you guys basically docile and you know, behave nicely. <laughs> but uh, you you decided to take yours out, and now he's acting crazy. Right. I mean, he just spun it just so perfectly and it made him run. It goes back Genius. to what Rudd was saying. I mean, he he is the master of the long game. Uh, you know, the, the grand plan that the Sith had spent a thousand plus years uh, bringing to fruition and Palpatine clearly knew that he was the person to, uh, to finally pull the trigger on, on destroying the Jedi. Um, certainly Lord knows he went through apprentices, uh, you know, one at a time. But uh, when you guys were talking a little bit about, uh, I know your last episode that you had just recorded and it's going to be out later this week, you were talking a little bit about uh, Qui-Gon uh, and Obi-Wan. And did you get into at all whether you think that that Palpatine would have had as, an easy a time uh, turning Anakin as uh, as he did had Qui-Gon actually lived? Bro, you want to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> what was that again? If, Palp- yeah. if, uh, Qui-Gon, if Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon had lived, do you think that Palpatine would have had as, an, as easy a time as he did turning Anakin? And I, I don't say easy. I mean, it took him years to, to right. eventually get him in position. But uh, when, 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 does this, when does this show release? Uh, no, we, we, we definitely yeah. got into that. And uh, I think the consensus, it, you know, that we had a pretty good discussion on free will versus predestiny. You know, yeah. no matter who his teacher was, would he have eventually fallen and would there have been a Darth Vader no matter what? And yep. Pretty much the consensus was he probably would have fallen, but considering how Qui-Gon would have taught Anakin compared to how Obi-Wan did, uh, yeah, the influence that Palpatine would have had on Anakin would have been much less yeah. if Qui-Gon, because whereas, you know, I called Obi-Wan a limiter for him, uh, Qui-Gon wouldn't have done that. He would have had, you know, Anakin embrace his talents yeah. and his abilities. So I, I don't think he would have uh, fallen for uh, Palpatine's teachings like he did if, if Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon would have, Qui-Gon would have seen, I think that's probably why Qui-Gon had to go. And I don't think we, we sort of touched on this, but that's probably mm-hmm. why Qui-Gon had to go because, you know, Obi-Wan fell for it yeah. with, with I, the rest of the Jedi. I don't see Qui-Gon o- would not have. Yeah. I don't see uh, Qui-Gon forming as a deep, a personal relationship with Anakin as Obi-Wan uh, was willing to do, uh, which I think would have been an interesting factor in it. But anyway, we don't have to get into that whole discussion here. I definitely want to drive people over to Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, again, that episode row, I think you said we're releasing it on Thursday. That is dropping Thursday. Yeah. Deep yeah. dives, man. We love, uh, you know, talking, uh, I mean, free will, uh, Lord of the Force, and uh, th- those are things that we love just kind of sinking our teeth into because yeah. uh, we, we get real passionate about that, especially when Alex is on board. We're all we're all just uh, chomping at the bit. Yeah, we're here at the Temple Archives. We're trying to we're trying to uh, make sure we teach people at a much broader level. But if you want to get into the into the uh, greater mysteries of the Force, definitely step into the the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast because they get into some of the deep stuff for sure. So uh, when we get to the end of the last episode of this particular arc and and we kind of see what happens to Fives. What are we here for, Fives? I need your help. I know you do. We know you're not well. It's been rough for you these past couple days. I'm not crazy. Please, please, just, just hear what I have to say. We're here to help you, Fives. Just come with us. Let us take you back to the temple. I just need you to listen to me. Please, 
I'm not really sure we have any other choice. I was framed because I know the truth. The truth about a plot. A massive deception. By who? Well, there's a sinister plot in the works against the Jedi. I have proof of it. I can prove that everything that I know is true beyond a shadow of a doubt. Show me the evidence. The evidence is in here. It's, it's in here. It's in all of us. Every clone. What is it? Organic chips built into our genetic code to make us do whatever someone wants. Even kill the Jedi. It's all in here. Let's just get you some help first. Then we can review everything. It'll be okay, Fives. We'll sort this out. Uh, you don't believe me! We're closing in on the target. Everyone get ready. Fives, we are listening to you. We only want to help. How do I know you're not tricking me? How do I know it won't be a trap? The Chancellor would try to kill me! I promise you that! The Chancellor? He's in on it! I don't know to what extent, but I know he orchestrated much of this. He told me in the medical bay. He told you? When you tried to assassinate him? You have gone too far, Fives. The Chancellor isn't capable of what you claim. He is! I swear to you, General. You have no idea. Stand down! Stand down! Get on your knees! No! No! no. Stay back! He ends up being gunned down by the same people who were essentially his brothers, uh, again, at the behest of Palpatine. Um, I thought they did a great job in this arc of really making you connect with Fives as a character and understand the struggle uh, of him kind of going against the system to uncover this big, uh, this big conspiracy. Uh, and I don't think that it's any different than than what we'd experience in our world. Um, you know, if you're if you're the little guy, I guess, uh, trying to uncover something, and you've got these l bigger, powerful people who are trying to keep it covered up. 
Yeah, you got to feel for four fives. I mean, you know, it starts off where he doesn't understand his friend is having these issues. Is it an illness, some sort of uh, bug or something that's going on? He finds out this chip. He finds out that he's had it. He's like, I think we all have them. Every single clone has them. So he's finding this out. He's getting back, shipped back to Coruscant there to go tell his story, to tell what he believes is going on and then the chancellor turns on him and you know blames him so now he's got to run for his life and he's just completely out of his mind about this he tries to get rex and anakin together and he's rambling uh very confusedly almost you know about this it's it's honest to understand why they might not have believed and one they also believe he might be sick uh for one part of it so okay this is the, the fever kicking in or whatever the case yeah. may be got the coronavirus. Uh, and, and then he's trying to tell us the story and, and he can't get it out and no one's believing him so it, it you got a feel for the poor guy yeah man he's he's oswald going back to my jfk yeah going back to yeah. my jfk reverence i mean oswald literally said uh, i'm the patsy i'm a patsy yeah. and of course what does he look like he well number one they they sold him as the guy right away and uh, he he looked crazy when you when you say stuff like that you look crazy, but I know I'm not the only one. I'm sure you guys all love the little quotes at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think the the last one sums up the best. Uh, the popular belief isn't always the correct one. Yeah. And I I think it pretty much sums up the you know, Fives his entire uh, arc and his his plight. You know, he's trying to convey that and trying to convey a huge threat, and no one wants to believe him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. It's interesting that they do those little uh, the kind of like uh, philosophical cards before each episode because in a lot of ways that's kind of how society takes in information in this day and age. I mean, you see a headline and and it leads you to believe one thing. Now, when you read the article, you get the whole story and maybe you realize that you know it was uh, clickbait uh, that that got you to click into it in the first place. But uh, you know. Very much so, we have people who who see something, they see something flash across the screen, and they just take it at face value. Uh, and in the case of Fives, it's really too bad that no one was listening. I mean, the Jedi Council at the end of this episode, Palpatine, again, right in front of the entire Jedi Council, uh, selling his, his, uh, his whole pile of uh fecal matter as as Ro was saying earlier in the episode uh and the jedi council just buy this hook line and sinker uh to believe that you know this don't worry we're not gonna we're not gonna let this happen again and the clones are fine and uh we're gonna make sure this is all taken care of and uh again had they just taken it a little bit further had they been a little bit more adamant about getting their hands on those chips and doing their own analysis on them uh we could have had a completely different story A tragic situation indeed. About the clones' breakdowns, have we discovered any new evidence? I've had my own personal doctors examine both bodies. It appears Nala Say did miss something in her examination. Another cause? Your doctors found? A parasite. Native to Ringo Vinda. Probably in a canteen of water they both shared. It did cause the inhibitors to decay once the parasite had taken hold. It is very rare. However, just to be cautious, we have prepared an inoculation for every clone trooper in our army. So, I guess it's over then. Yes. We can finally put this whole wretched situation behind us. 
we must direct our attention back to the war at hand. Each day, we grow closer and closer to victory. Lord Tyrannus, have you received the inhibitor chip that you requested? I have indeed. You have done well, Doctor. Master. The clone in question is now dead, and the Jedi still suspect nothing. Good. Destroy all evidence. When the time comes, no one will be able to stop our plan to execute Order 66. <laughs> Yeah, no question about it. Uh, you know, I, you know, going back to the discussion of Palpatine a little bit ago, uh, I was discussing this during the episode with uh, with my wife as we were watching, and she was talking about, well, can't they figure out who, you know, Palpatine is? You know, why? And I'm like, well, I think that they have some, you know, because they are obviously looking into him. You know, could he be the leader? I think, I, I think that they think that maybe he's working with whoever is the you know the sith lord but they can't possibly be him i mean even you know when you when you see mace windu you're like a sith lord <laughs> he's so shocked when anakin tells him like this is the guy you gotta be kidding me so he's like hell no yeah <laughs> so he just he just played the part so well from all sides it's just he's such an interesting character brad's but, just shaking his head no yeah, way bro, bro that is so embarrassing like <laughs> Like, you can count how many times in, in one sentence they talk about Sidious. Literally the next sentence they talk about Palpatine. Yep. And the next sentence they talk about Sidious again. Uh, between episode two, the Clone Wars, and episode three, how many times that happens. You know, and you know, Obi-Wan telling Anakin to go spy on the Chancellor. You know, Obi-Wan knows more than anybody else that there's this Sith Lord Sidious. And... Obi-Wan saying, hey, go spy on the Chancellor because we don't quite trust him. Like, bro, are you serious? Like, that's embarrassing. That's, I mean, I don't know. It's it's so hilariously ironic that the wisest, supposedly the wisest people in the universe can't put the simplest two and two together. I mean, when Tyranna says there's a, a Sith Lord controlling the Senate, well, who's in charge of the Senate but the Chancellor uh, he puts the entire formula out there, every single variable filled in, and they, the Jedi can't. It's embarrassing, man. Like uh, the only thing more embarrassing is Padme giving Anakin milk and cookies after he kills the Tusken Raiders in Episode Two. But <laughs> we won't get into that right now. But yeah, it's it's pretty sad that they couldn't put that together. Well, hey, a whole a whole city didn't uh, figure out that Clark Kent was Superman with the glasses on and off. So I mean, come on. <laughs> Why is that uh, frighteningly apropos? So, uh, <laughs> all right. So now I did throw this out there uh, for our listener community out there on Twitter specifically to see if they had any questions that they wanted us to answer. And I thought we got a really interesting uh, question that Cam Ray had put out there. Um, 
And that is, did the Force use Sidious as a catalyst to purge the Jedi who had drifted from their path as pure peacekeepers uh, and in turn led to the purge of the Sith, basically resulting in a fresh start with all Force sensitives and kind of hope for uh, bringing a true peace without the dogma? Uh, and he kind of compares it to how a hurricane or a pandemic may unfortunately wipe out nature, towns, people, et cetera, and allow new life to emerge. So I thought that was a pretty deep, uh, pretty deep question. Yeah, we saw that uh, last night, actually, when we were recording our episode for Qui-Gon, we saw Cam Ray uh, hit, uh, hit that retweet and put that up. And we, we, we definitely discussed it. We had some opinions about that. Very interesting thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a hard shake from brad <laughs> no no and uh, uh you'll hear me say it again if you uh, tune into the scare scuttle but uh yeah that's a hard no for me uh i know the uh they say the force works in mysterious ways um but uh getting the most evil sith lord you know in the history of sith lords to to off uh the entire jedi order to restore some balance no because <laughs> uh, not only did the entire Jedi Order fall, but how many trillions of people died in the Clone Wars? Uh, and, and you know, if the Force is positive or negative, I, I think it's positive. I think it's a benevolent force. Mm -hmm. If if it is one, I, I think it's more neutral yeah. uh, than, than anything else. There being a light side and a dark side. Uh, so I don't think it would. I think it is just exactly how Yoda and Obi Wan describe it as a unifying force. I don't think it would pick an individual like that and do such evil things for whatever may, you know, positive thing may have come out of it later. I, I don't, no, I don't buy it. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. And, and, and Alex kind of uh, mentioned something too, that it's kind of a dangerous road to start thinking about it like that. When, you know, you come up with this, you know, ethereal notion that the force works in mysterious ways. And even in the real world, you know, God works in mysterious ways. If you, uh, assign uh, that tragedy to well, it was God's work, and we have to accept it. Then that's kind of kind of a dangerous road, kind of a dangerous way to to think about stuff like that. Yeah, and less people so, to shrug yeah. off all responsibility for anything that happens. Oh, I didn't do this on my own. This just just it's the will of whatever working through me. Yeah, I think that's a a perfect argument. Tom, you have any thoughts? It's way above my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the simple uh, facts of Star Wars, I don't need to get to too much into the uh, theorizing on if the Force is. You know, I mean, I I do believe that the Force. I I, I agree with you, Brad. That's more. It's more of a neutral. It's got light side. It's got dark side. It balances out itself. The Force does. Um, as far as I I don't believe that the Force. I mean, that I do think that the force acts in certain ways to kind of set up certain situations, kind of help people meet the same people or whatever. But I don't believe it's there to help somebody wipe out an, you know, an entire grouping of, of force wielders or whatever the case may be and decimating many, many systems throughout the I, I just I, it, I, it's hard for me to fathom that personally. Yeah. And I actually, it brings up a great topic for maybe a Scarif podcast discussion that I'd love to get in on. But, you know, the whole concept of are there really dark and light side force powers or are there just force powers and it's how you use them that determines uh, whether they're light and dark. Um, again, yeah, I, check out uh, check out our uh, we had a previous episode where we definitely talked about that. We yeah. uh, blew some brain cells uh, with each other, really uh, the legacy of balance. Yeah. And uh, we talked about that. Uh, we talked about 
the absence of light, the uh, uh, absence of evil, or uh, what you know what makes balance. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely one of those you know topics uh, that you know you really have to scratch your noggin on, um, especially as we relate it to Star Wars. Because, like I said, it's it's these are heavy topics for something that you know was created back in the seventies that you know really. Um, you know, it's, it's not all about bishops and laser swords. There's a lot of subliminal subtext there that really, really gets you thinking, um, you know, kudos to George, uh, you know, and, and, and the team behind, uh, Star Wars as, as it, as it evolved. So, and what's incredible is that the conversations we've had over the past 42 years, they could put out an episode of an animated series or an episode of a comic book. And it could completely reset it to where you have to go back and revisit all those conversations just based on new information that's come to light. Um, sure. That forces you to look at things in a different context. So, yeah, a- Alex and I were pretty uh, diametrically opposed on that particular topic. Um, you know, he was of the belief that the dark side is uh, an evil force. Myself, I don't see the dark side as an evil force itself. I think those who already have personality issues, anger, rage, hate, mm-hmm. jealousy, fear, all those things. Those are the ones that are more apt to use the dark side and then abuse it. Um, because, uh, you know, contrary to what some of the Lucasfilm employees will say nowadays, uh, <laughs> Luke definitely force choked a couple of Gamorreans at, at the beginning of return of the Jedi. And, uh, historically force choking has always been equated with a dark side power. Yeah. So Luke used the dark side there to get his way into the uh, to Jabba's palace to free Han, yep. um, and he was able to maintain his you know his neutrality or his pull to the light. So I, I don't think I think that people are already corrupted before the dark side, and then it then it turns into a vicious cycle yeah. after that. Uh, to go into Clone Wars, I mean, there was an arc in season two of the Clone Wars with Cad Bane where Obi-Wan and Anakin and I uh, can't remember who the third was, uh, basically three of the Jedi, maybe Mace Windu, uh, in an attempt to kind of force the mind of Cad Bane, all three of them were using. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah. That and was I'm, horrible. And that was I mean, horrible scene. yeah. And so, you know, you've got examples of Jedi who are supposedly servants yeah. of the light doing something that is very much uh, invasive and regardless of what the, the greater good uh, may be, that that was one of those events that jumped out at me as, you know, this is not something I would expect to see a Jedi partaking in. Yeah, that was that was a rough scene right there because one tried it and then two and then the yep. whole room like yep. that. No, man. Everybody That's on cool. board. It goes back to the hypocrisy of the Jedi during this time. You know, yep. they want to say that they're all uh, completely on the light side, that, you know, they don't they won't stray <laughs> from that. They won't go to attachments or whatever. But when they need to, oh, it's OK to do it every once in a while or whatever. And I actually have no issue with that as uh, as a Jedi. I, I personally think that you should be able to use, uh, you know, some of these uh, concepts. So as long as it's you stay to the light. But, you know, using aggression every once in a while is not necessarily a bad thing. You just can't let aggression take you over. You can't let anger take you over. You can't let hate uh, take over you. But uh, everybody is, you know, I mean, well, not everybody's human in Star Wars, but you got the (laughs) idea, you know. I mean, you're going to have these natural emotions, and sometimes you're going to act on them. They just can't overtake you. Right. Well, it was a great discussion. I uh, I think it's definitely an incredible arc. I would encourage anyone who has not gone out there and checked it out. And really, to Brad's point, to 
to go out and check out all of season six of the Clone Wars if you have not watched it. They are uh, they're great in the sense that you can watch them completely separate from all the seasons that came before uh, without really ruining anything. And and you can really get some cool backstory and a lot of stuff that ties in with the films. Uh, so there is a huge advantage to going and checking it out. Um, and, and you definitely got time. Those four episodes that we're talking about don't take uh, maybe a little more hour and 15 minutes, I think, to get through all four of them. Uh, so it's not a huge time investment. These are quick little one pop um, episodes that are maybe 20, 22 minutes long. I think they run. So uh, definitely go check that out. Ro and Brad, thank you guys so much for coming on. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you guys and the Scarif podcast? Yeah. So uh, the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast, we are everywhere you can think of getting your favorite podcasts, uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you guys find your uh, favorite podcast. But uh, we're mostly active on Twitter. Brad and I run the account. Uh, so we have a lot of fun interacting with uh, a lot of our uh, followers, um, just having fun out there. Um, we're, uh, like, you, you know, you guys were talking about how, uh, we just recorded our Qui-Gon episode and that'll come out on, uh, Thursday. Had a lot of fun with, uh, you know, the entire crew, Alex and Brad, um, just talking about this deep stuff. And we get into a little bit of, of some of the stuff that we talked about, especially between the relationships with, uh, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon and Anakin. Um, so a lot of great stuff, a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, Ro, also you have, uh, you've got a Red 5 initiative that I keep seeing pop up on Twitter uh, and a big announcement for that coming out on May the 4th. So I'm guessing people should check that out as well. Yeah, we're going to have, we're going to make an announcement on May 4th. Uh, we've gathered uh, some resources and pooled our, I guess uh, you'd call them, uh, you know, our, our podcast partners to uh, join in uh, on this uh, adventure. So, yeah, stay tuned May 4th uh, on the Scarif's uh, podcast account. Uh, we'll be able to share what we've been uh, keeping under wraps for the last 10 months, really. It's been uh, 10 months in the in the works, um, you know, slowly but surely. I, I was telling some folks, you know, people know that uh, we kind of treat each episode with a lot of TLC. We don't want to just release stuff just to release it. Um, we take our time. I don't know if it's being a Virgo, but I, I, not that I'm a perfectionist, but you know, I coming from a broadcast uh, background, I like to uh, have my stuff kind of, you know, polished as far as production value goes. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have uh, a lot of people join us. So it, it'll be a, a fantastic run. You got a little bit of that Imperial, a uh, little Palpatine blood in you. It sounds like you got the long game. Oh yeah. I mean, that is one of the reasons that, uh, you know, Brad and I wear that hat, Proudly, uh, Palpatine, Darth Vader. Uh, Darth Vader is one of my favorite characters for the reason that I guess, it, it, you know, my wife tells me it's because you don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> and that's exa it's exactly what uh, how, I, how I see Vader. Right. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, it's uh, it's it's all about power. I probably definitely use uh, aggression uh, to get what I want, uh, probably more so than uh, I'd like to admit if I were in the Star Wars world. <laughs> Probe droids, yeah. AT-AT drivers, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Uh, and Brad, definitely thank you for uh, for taking the time out of your evening to come on. It was nice to actually see your face. Uh, I know that on, uh, what is it, StreamYard, uh, the camera tends not to cooperate. So 
it's great CGI work, and we'll have to put a thank you out there to Yoshi Vu. So, uh, and Tom, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your podcast as well? Sure. Always great to be on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. As far as my podcast, I do with my wife, Michelle. Uh, we do talk Star Wars. We talk Marvel. We're mostly a Disney-focused podcast, but uh, we do have a lot of fun talking about the parks. And, of course, uh, Rob, actually, Rob is coming on here uh, for our episode this next week, uh, along with Pat and Charles from the Conversations podcast. We're going to have a little a Star Wars Disney Parks mashup, so it should be a lot of fun. And if you want to find us, uh, we're pretty much everywhere you can get podcasts. The very best place to find us, however, is on our own website, Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Dot com. Uh, you can also find us all over social media on Twitter. We're at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Awesome. Uh, so, guys, thank you so much again for coming on. We had a great discussion, uh, a lot of fun, and uh, certainly, as we said before, we want our listeners to go out there and check out that episode. And uh, and I encourage you strongly to go and check out Scarif's episode on Thursday because uh, I have a sneaking suspicion there's a lot of good stuff in there. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you know where to find us. Uh, if you want to let someone else know where to find us, certainly they can find us out on our website at jtapodcast.com. They can email us at jtapodcast at gmail.com. And we can be found pretty much on any social media platform at jtapodcast, although Twitter is certainly where we spend the most time. So check us out there. Check us out on Instagram, uh, wherever you happen to, uh, to hang out when you're on the socials. And uh, if you'd like to call up and leave a message for the show, either a possible topic or thoughts on an upcoming topic or even something we've talked about in the past, you can do so on our voicemail at 201-746-5827. That's 201-746-JTAP. So should be relatively easy to remember. And again, we'd love to uh, play your clip on the show, uh, maybe answer a question like we did for Cam this evening. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. Definitely hope you're going to enjoy the upcoming episodes of Clone Wars Season 7 to round out that season and Clone Wars as a whole. And uh, be safe, stay healthy, and may the Force be with you always. Always.